open your Bibles to Numbers chapter number 6 and verse number 24. And the word of God says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless you. And also our other theme verse of scripture is Ephesians chapter number one and verse number three. And it says, bless or praise be unto God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So this morning, say it with me one time, really good, really loud on the count of three. Everybody just say this with me that I am blessed. Are you ready? All right, say this with me. One, two, three. I am blessed. And I'm glad you're blessed this morning because God says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, some of you guys are sitting here thinking, well, pastor, you do realize that said heavenly places. And how does that refer to me? Because right now, my circumstances, my situations, the, the conditions of my life are anything but heavenly. And so, pastor, does that blessing or that scripture really apply to me? Well, when you read over in the next chapter of Ephesians, chapter number two, And verse number five, it goes on to say, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. Everybody say alive. Alive. Together with Christ. Everybody say with Christ. This is where we have versed ourselves out of the meaning of scripture. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we put numbers in the middle of phrases to give us a reference point of where we're at during the scripture. But many times when that number hits, we stop reading at the number when the phrase was never intended to have ended. And so we have versed ourselves right out of the blessing in this case. And so I want to read this scripture like it's meant to be read. And it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now many of us, when we read that verse of scripture, we stop right there and we says, we have been saved by grace and we're like, oh, we're so excited by grace. We're saved. We're going to heaven one day. Thank you, Jesus. By grace, we're saved. But Paul never intended it to stop there. Paul had the worst grammar in the world. If you read this like it's meant to be read, this is the longest run-on sentence Paul could have written about everything, but he wanted to make it a run-on sentence so you would get the fullness because he knew if he put a period, you'd stop reading. So now let's read it in Paul's writing. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved and raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, you might show. Now he goes on to say, immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Short and skinny, so that you may show the blessing of God. When Paul said that you have been seated with Christ in heavenly places, where did we just read the blessing? were in heavenly places we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in heavenly places the Bible said well Paul goes out in the next chapter to clarify why you're blessed because he said the blessings are in heavenly places and so get this you're in heavenly places both with Christ Jesus the blessings of God are tangible right here right now for you even though you're sitting here in this room physically God said you're seated with him spiritually in heavenly places And so if you're seated with him spiritually in heavenly places and the blessings are in heavenly places, guess what? You and the blessing are in the same place. And why does God say in heavenly places? Because he put them in a place that only you could get them and the devil could not. Some of you guys are sitting here saying, well, the devil's just trying to steal my blessing. Well, don't let him because if you're letting him, that means you're letting him up there with you in a heavenly place. And the fact of the matter is it's not so much you're letting him up there. More than likely, it's you're lowering yourself to down here 
rather than living up there in heavenly places in Christ Jesus where the spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Since you're in a heavenly place, everybody say, I am, I am. in a heavenly place. Heavenly. Say, my blessings, my blessings are in a heavenly place. Now you can access them because you and the blessing are in the same place. You and me are in the same building so you can access me. You can get to me. You can talk to me. You can hug me. You can access me. You can access the blessing of God because you are in the same place of the blessing. As we continue in this series called The Blessing of God, I want to reiterate what the blessings are and what the blessings are not. The blessing of God is not things. It is what God has said. See, some of you guys get messed up because you drive down the road and you see a bigger house than yours and you think somebody's more blessed than you are. The blessing of God is not things. It's what God has said about you. Now, if you do not understand what God has said about you, you'll never walk in the blessing of God. Some of you walk in a defeated mentality and a defeated lifestyle all of your life because you think that you're supposed to be defeated. The Bible says that you're an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. The Bible says that you are the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You are the victor. You are victorious and not a victim in this world. So the body of Christ and their poor pitiful me victim mentality, get rid of it because that's not who God said you were. To walk in the blessing, you must find out what God said about you. Now to walk in the blessing of marriage, you must find out what God said about your marriage. To walk in the blessing with your kids, you must find out what God said about your kids. To walk in the blessing financially, you must find out what God said about finances. To walk in the blessing of God in health, you must find out what God said about health. To walk in the blessing of God in any area, you must find out what God said about that area. We've made this very easy for you because you can click on our church website. You can go to an icon that scrolls across the top. It's about the third one down, and it's a guy. He's standing in the middle of a Bible that's opened up walking, and it says, walk in the blessings. You click on that. There's almost 700 scriptures that you can just scroll through and find exactly what God said about you and how you're blessed, why you're blessed, what you're blessed into, and what you're blessed out of. Amen? We've made it easy on you to begin to walk in the blessing of God. The blessing of God is not things, first of all, and it is what God has said. It is also this. It is not a license to live recklessly. It is a lifestyle of discipline. This is what enables you to be blessed. This is what enables you to maintain and keep and hang on to the blessing and not let the devil steal it. A lot of you, God blesses you because you don't understand how to maintain and walk in the blessing. You let the devil steal it and so your life looks like a big roller coaster. Well, when we realize that the lifestyle of a blessing is not a reckless lifestyle, it's a lifestyle of discipline, we'll maintain and walk in the blessing for the distance. And that's our goal as a church. We want you to maintain and walk in the blessing of God all the days of your life. It is not something that magically appears, but it is something that enables and empowers you to do. It's not something that magically appears on your front door. You're not going to walk out the door tomorrow morning and see this nice, neat, wrapped little box with a bow on top that says, the blessing, sitting on your front door. The blessing is not something that magically appears. It's something that empowers you to do. It's something that gives you the ability to accomplish. It's something that gives you the ability, the enablement, the empowering to accomplish or achieve something that God will manifest as a blessing in your life. In your marriage, if you want your marriage to be blessed, it's not going to magically appear. God's going to enable you through knowledge of the scriptures how to live a godly life as a husband and a wife and empower you to have a blessed marriage. It's not something that magically appears. So as we begin this morning, the Bible says this, and this is the first time blessing was ever mentioned in Genesis 1.22. The Bible says, and God blessed them saying. So the blessing of God is in what God has said. We've already gone over that. So now we go down to verse number 28, and God told you what he has blessed you with the ability or the empowerment to do. And so the next five weeks, we're going to go over the five things that were discussed in what God said you were blessed to do. Genesis 1.28 says, and God blessed them by saying to them, be fruitful 
and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. See, God loves run-on sentences too. All y'all English teachers are like, you know, you should have put a semicolon, you should have put something in there to break that up a little bit. No, God wants you to understand there are five things, and we just read them, and God said to them, and he blessed them by saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. So those are the five things we're going to discuss over the next five weeks. So today we are going to start, talk about the blessing of being fruitful. Some of y'all are thinking, I've already got kids, I already got the t-shirt, I'm a grandmother now or a grandfather now. But see, here's what we've done as the body of Christ. We've narrowed down the terminology of what the word of God means in be fruitful. The word of God does, yes, mean be fruitful. That means to have the ability to have kids, to procreate, to fill the earth. But it also means to be productive, to live in a productive lifestyle, not a destructive lifestyle. We do something and it's awesome and it's great only to tear it down a little bit later. We have a great time with our kids only to ruin it in the next 20 minutes. When we find out a destructive lifestyle, the Bible says it's the thief's job, referring to the devil, to steal, kill, destroy, or be destructive. So that means if we are finding ourselves being more destructive than productive, we're not walking in the spirit or the blessing of God. We're actually walking in the spirit of what the Bible calls Antichrist, not the Antichrist, and I'm not calling you the Antichrist, but the Bible says there's something of the spirit of Antichrist, and anything that is anti-God is Antichrist, and so if you find it battling against God, it's the spirit of, the, of Antichrist. In this, we need to learn that the blessing of God is about being productive. It is about accomplishing something, but we can't let the things that we accomplish become our God, because then we get our eye off God who supplies the blessing. In this, when the Bible says, be fruitful and multiply and we'll get to multiply next week if you'll start going through the scriptures anytime that it references fruitful increase is always after it increase or the term multiply the blessing of God in your life is the ability to be productive in every area of your life I ask people this all the time and I am very guilty of it myself I will tell on myself this morning and my mom is good at holding me accountable to this like a lot of other things that she learned last week that she didn't get to hear because she wasn't here but she comes to me from time to time when she finds me getting disgruntled and when she finds me when I'm buried up with stuff when she finds I got too much going on and she says now Joel are you being fruitful or productive or are you just being busy see there's a big difference every one of us in fact if I were to ask you how's your schedule your answer is this busy but busy is not necessarily productive busy in fact is a great tool of the devil to keep you from being productive see I can get so busy doing the work of the church that I will neglect ministry I can get so busy doing the work of church that the church will literally be stunted in growth because I'm not being productive, I'm just being busy. And so I got to draw a fine line in my lifestyle and in my life to quit just being busy, Joel, for the sake of being busy, and let's get productive. Let's find the things that will have an everlasting impact in every area of our life. So I want you to stop for just a second and look at your life and your schedule this past week. Some of y'all are thinking, well, pastor, this past week's not a good one. You have no idea how busy I was. That means it's the perfect week to Take advantage of productivity will have an everlasting effect Jesus said that God or the, the Word of God says that God gave his one and only son that you would have an everlasting life John 3 16 you have an everlasting life that means something that's gonna outlive you something that's gonna live far beyond what you are accomplishing today something that's gonna live far out and outweigh what you can do right now it's gonna outlive you it's gonna be literally everlasting I'll never forget this when me and my wife went to Italy one time and we saw these houses that were over 300 years old and some were in immaculate condition I mean absolutely amazing condition 
mission. I asked my sister who was there at the time, I said, what is the deal with these houses? It's like they never die. <laughs> They're everlasting. And she said, it's really against the law to tear down a house here. In fact, if you see a house in shambles, they can't tear it down because they're built to outlive the people who built them. So they made it a law. That's why Venice is sinking and they can't tear it down because they want it to outlast them. See, outlasting or everlasting is something that's going to outlast you today. What have you done in this past week that is going to outlast your lifetime? That would be considered productive. What have you done this last week that's just busy? That would be considered not fruitful. I find myself a lot of times realizing I'm more busy than I ever am productive. I find myself realizing that I'm really living for the wrong things. I'm living for today rather than the day. I'm living for the things of now rather than for the things of the eternal. I'm living for the momentary glorification, the momentary satisfaction of achieving something now. But if it's not going to outlive and outlast me, then is it really productive or is it really just a selfish form of busyness? And so in the blessing of God, the blessing of God wants you to not just accomplish something, but it wants to be productive. It wants to outlive you. And this is why the Bible says a righteous man will leave a legacy or an inheritance for his children's children. Because it's supposed to outlive you. Now we always in America, because we are a capitalistic society, we're about getting as much money as we possibly can. We have always thought that the inheritance of God meant raising up and storing up a whole bunch of money so our great-grandkids don't have to work and be productive. No. The best inheritance my dad has ever passed on to me was to teach me how to get outside the four walls of my house and work my butt off. In fact, my dad believed so much in that blessing of productivity that when we wanted to buy a car, he thought about three years earlier and he didn't buy us a car, he bought us a cow. Some of you are like, well, that's not a blessing. Oh, but that calf that he bought us paid for our first car. The inheritance is going to outlive me. And so in your life, the blessing of productivity must be this. It must start being everlasting. If you're going to walk in the blessing of God, the blessing of God is going to take place because you have grabbed a hold of something now that's going to leave a legacy that will outlast you and you'll be known for it. If somebody were to say, if I were to pass away today, what was Joel T. Meyer known for? I hope it would outlive me by at least two decades. Really, it should outlive me by about four decades because I'm not 40 yet. But if it's going to outlast me, I want it to outlast my lifetime. So 40 years down the road, I would pray that this church would not just be busy, but it would be productive and not just stay normal at the size of three to 350 to 400 people. But in fact, it will have quadrupled inside over the next four decades and be productive because it's an everlasting thing, not just busy work. So the first thing in your life, if you're going to realize the blessing of God, is that you need to start investing your life into things that are going to outlast you. We don't think like that as Americans. We're not taught to think like that as, as Americans. Mainly because, and, and this is the mainly the reason why the blessing of God is starting to cease on the lives of people in America. No, I'm not saying God's taking his hand off America. I'm saying we've stopped applying the blessing because we've neglected productivity in our life and because we've neglected productivity the blessing is starting to cease not because God's taken his hand off but because we've stopped operating in the blessing and so when we continue to operate in the blessing and be, be productive we're going to produce things that will outlast us farther than we can for a blessing to be a real blessing it must do more than allow you to get something but it must also provide the empowerment to keep what has been gotten see a lot of us don't have a problem making money we make plenty of money a problem that we have is keeping the money we make our government has the same problem they get plenty of taxes. The problem is just keeping the taxes that we've gotten. Where we spend more than we bring in. The problem in America, really, if you look at it, it's not the productivity part. It's able to keep what we've been gotten. It's able to grab hold of and maintain the blessing of God in our life. And so when we begin to walk in productivity, a lot of stuff is going to be able to start coming your way. 
But the issue is not how much comes your way, how much can you hold on to for the kingdom of God's sake. And I'm not saying become a hoarder. Remember this, it's not how much God can get to you, it's how much God can get through you. If you are an upside down funnel, that's great. Because your end's this big and you fill that up, you got a spout on the other end that's going huge. You turn the funnel the other way and God's trying to pour so much in but you're only letting a little bit out. What happens if you pour too much? It overflows and it spills out everywhere because God is not a wasteful God. He's waiting for you to open it up a little bit more and bring more to you so he can get more through you so he can bless the kingdom of God that you're living in. In this, the blessing of God, I want you to be real careful when I read this next verse and don't let your mind go where it shouldn't go, but keep it on what God has said about the blessing. Now listen as I read this verse. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your forefathers as it is this day. God said he gave you the ability or empowered you the ability to get wealth. I wanna stop right there because everybody's thinking of money. If your marriage is falling apart, ain't no amount of money in the world gonna fix the problem. You're just gonna be a rich person going into divorce instead of a poor person. Your kid's acting a hellion and can't get their life right, ain't no amount of money gonna fix your kid. So wealth in this terminology is relative. Wealth in this scripture is relative. The wealth that you need for your marriage is not money. The wealth you need for your marriage is information. And guys, if, if it's about her, it's a lot of information about her. Husbands, your wife elbows, you say, honey, we're just gonna start walking in the blessing. You're taking your first step. Wealth for your marriage is not money. What does it matter if you gain a whole lot of money, but yet your family is destroyed in the end anyway? See, Jesus said it best. What good is it is if a man gains the whole world of wealth, yet forfeits his soul? What good is it if Jeff and Amy prosper and become billionaires, but their marriage falls apart three years into it? What good is it if Mitch and Andrea have a billion dollars, but their kids run off in are hellions anyway? That will cause more stress than the money ever could. What do you need for your life to consider your marriage wealthy? What I need is to get to know my wife more than I know her now. How many of you know your wife changes over the course of a decade? For the better. Come on now. Many of you, you look at me in marriage kind of say, she's just not the same person she was when she got married to me. Of course she's not. It's 10 years ago. If you got married when you were 24, 10 years prior to that, you were 14. How many of you changed from the age 14 to age 24? You're going to change just as much from 24 to 34 and from 34 to 54. And then when you're 54 and your kids are out of school, then you got a whole nother mess of problems because then you really got to get to know each other because you're all you got. <laughs> The blessing of God on your marriage is not money then. Unless you're saying, uh-huh, give me a bunch and I can send her off in the world wherever she wants to go and have my peace. <laughs> Wives, it's the same thing. Your husband changed in the past 10 years. For the better. For the, yeah. Jeff says for the bigger, not just the better. <laughs> hey, it's true. Hey, we get older, we all get more mature and more blessed. Amen. Wives, the answer to your marriage problem is not your husband making more money. It's him making more money and you buying a brand new pair of shoes. I know it seems good for the moment, but it's not going to last for the lifetime. The blessing of God, God gives you the ability to get wealth. Wealth is the one thing you need that will make your marriage, your kids, your family, your whatever it is, your circumstance, your situation, come from a dry desert to prospering. Wealth for the desert is not money, it's water. They've got beautiful golf courses in the middle of the desert because the one thing that's lacking is the most vital resource it needs. Wealth to the desert is not money, it's water. And all the oil that's in the desert, what are they paying for? They're paying for water. <laughs> Wealth is relative. It is God who gives you the ability 
to get wealth, the one singular item you need to make your life or whatever it is be fruitful and productive. Now, some of you are thinking, Pastor, my spouse passed away years ago, and I'm a single person. I just got grandkids, and really nobody's around. Listen, you are what I call in your prime. You have absolutely nothing holding you back except you. If you are in your prime, and I like to call my prime timers are the people who are 55 and older, listen, you're in your prime. Your kids, if not, are gone and grown. They're about to be. You have complete freedom to go do whatever God has called you to do. You got to figure out what is your wealth. What is the one item you need that's going to make your life at this point, whatever stage you're in, flourish, grow, prosper, and bloom to be productive and fruitful again. Some of you, the biggest thing you need is not money. It's you need a healthy body. We'll find what the word of God says about living healthy because it does say a lot. Some of you, the needs you have, it is financial. Your marriage is good. We'll find out what the word of God says and start doing it. Some of you, what you need is you need somebody to come in and teach you how to raise your kids because if your kids would start getting right, the marriage problems would be resolved because the only thing you fight about is your kids. So the one thing you need, God says, I give you the ability to get wealth. The one thing you need that will make your life grow, prosper, be blessed, be fruitful. Why? He goes on to say why. So he can confirm to the world that you're in covenant with Almighty God. And so he can confirm to everybody else who's lost and dying and is a non-believer out there that, hey, there's a God up there who will give you exactly what you need to make your life exactly what you desire it to be if you'll do it for his kingdom's sake. God doesn't want you to have a good marriage so you can quit coming to church so you can go all around the world and travel the world and never tell people about how he restored your marriage. He wants to restore your marriage because he wants you to get you in church because there's a lot of other families in the church that need the wealth that you now have because you've gone through it. In this process, God, he says, I give you the ability to get wealth. I give you the ability to get a sound mind. I give you the ability to not walk in fear. I give you the ability or the empowerment to be productive in this life. When he gives you that ability, he wants you to begin to walk in it. He wants you to begin to apply it like you've never applied it before. In this ability to get or to gain wealth, he's going to change the circumstances, the conditions of your life so you'll live in a blessed lifestyle. This last point right here says this, the blessing of productivity is not the physical things you do, but it is the application of what God has said. I know people who have read the Bible through and through and still do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior because they never applied what the Bible said. You can get all the knowledge in the world, but until you start applying the blessing to your situation, you're not gonna see a change. The biggest enemy of productivity is being lazy. If your kids are not productive, they're lazy. If you are not productive, you're lazy or busy, one of the two. But many of us, it's not because we're so busy because we can clear our schedules pretty easy, but we find ourselves being lazy. Let's read what the Bible says about this just for a second. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. So this is talking about the soul. The soul is the area of the mind, the will, and the emotions. So the soul of a lazy man desires but has nothing. See, there's a lot of lazy people out there who desire to be rich, but they still have nothing. But the Bible says the diligent or those who will not be lazy, which means in the area of the soul, you'll begin to use your mind, your will, and your emotions to apply the blessing of God. The Bible says you'll be made rich. Does that mean he's going to drop a million dollars in your checking account? No, he's going to give you the thing of wealth that you need that we just talked about to meet where you're at in this life. And so your life becomes rich in the area you're desiring it to prosper in. Like I just said, all the money in the world isn't going to fix some of your marriages. But a diligent person, the Bible says, I'll make them rich. I'll make their marriage rich. 
I'll give them the best marriage the world has ever seen if they'll quit being lazy about the things I've told them in their marriage. If they'll quit being lazy about the things I've told them with their kids, I'll make their kids some of the most blessed kids in school. But because you don't read the word of God and say the word of God over your kids, you don't apply the word of God over your kids, your kids are still acting like they always acted. And you're still saying, oh God, please be with my baby and change them. No, God said you get productive as a parent and change them. In the first term, we said the Bible said be fruitful, which means productive. And then the second point was a true blessing is not something you get, but it's something you can get and maintain. Why is God going to tell you to grow and have kids if you're going to raise them wrong for them not to be a blessing? God says, I want you to maintain your kids so I gave you the blessing now you need to maintain the blessing and you do it by what God has said over their life listen to what else the Bible says in Proverbs 59 the way of a lazy man is like a hedge of thorns but the way of the upright is a highway have you ever been walking down I know we're in East Texas and you go walking through the pastures and you have what I call cattle paths it's the same route that the cows take all the time but then if they don't travel it for a while the briars start growing up over it and when we were kids we would just ride really fast and try to get through with minimal scrapes. But how much easier is if we would have kept applying the blessing of this part of our life, if we could have went down a highway and not been all tore up and cut up because we kept applying the blessing. We do what it takes to get blessed, but then we get lazy and then we let thorns come in and then we gotta fight just as much to get the thorns out to maintain the blessing. Now the blessing of God is not for you to be lazy. We talked about this in our points at the very beginning. The blessing of God is not a license to live recklessly, but it is a lifestyle of discipline. See, many of us, we've gone through the course in this church, and we'll probably offer it again this fall, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Those of you who stuck with it, you're seeing the fruits of it, and you're loving it because you got into a lifestyle of discipline, and you got your $1,000 emergency fund, and you got, you got your three to six months hopefully together by now, or you're working on it, you've been able to pay cash for some things, you've been able to pay off some things, and you're so excited about what you pay off and how you get to that point. But you didn't get there by not being disciplined. You had to stick to them envelopes. And you know them envelopes get uglier and uglier every week. And I, every time we need something, I gotta go check an envelope. It's so much easier to pull out my card, go to the ATM, until I know my wife will check that account and I'm just put it back in my pocket and we're gonna go back to the envelope. It's not a license to live recklessly. It's a lifestyle of discipline. When you get in a lifestyle of discipline, the Bible says it becomes a highway. Your life becomes a lot smoother. It's not filled with thorns and thickets and everything else that's gonna tear you up and keep you down. Listen to this scripture. The lazy man will plow because of the, will not plow because of the winter, but listen, he will beg during harvest season and have nothing. There's going to be a generation rise up from this church that in the next few weeks, months, and you would say, I would say year, that your life is going to do a 180 degree turn. You are fixing to start walking in the blessing in every way like you've never walked in it before. Because you're going to start plowing now. You're going to start doing the disciplined things now. You're going to start understanding what the Bible says about your marriage now. What it says about your kids now. About what it says about your job now. And you're going to start plowing now. And in a year from now, you're going to look back and you say, Woo, the blessing of God is working in my life. But there's going to be some of you who sit back and say, I don't understand why they're so blessed. It's because they started plowing today. I'm going to ask you to start plowing this morning here in just a few minutes. I'm going to close with this verse of scripture. And this guy says in Proverbs 24, 30, I went by the field of a lazy man and by the vineyard of a man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles and stones and the stone's walls were all broken down. When I saw it, I considered it very well. I looked on it and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And so shall your poverty come upon you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. 
Now I know in this, uh, because we've used these terms, our mind has probably flipped back to money by now. In your marriage, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, the enemy's gonna start coming into your marriage trying to wreak havoc. With your kids, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, not praying with your kids at night, not reading the word of God to your family, men, at night or during the day or whenever works best for your family. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands and neglecting the blessing. The enemy's going to come in, the Bible says, like a prowler, like an armed man. You don't break into somebody's house unarmed. If you're breaking into somebody's house and you are armed, you're planning on stealing something that don't belong to you. The devil's not trying to break into your family unarmed. In fact, he's coming as an armed man because he wants to take what belongs to you but remember this we are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places the blessing of God is in heavenly places and we're not going to let the devil come in and begin to steal what God has placed us in and that's his blessing the blessing of God and so it's time we elevate our standards as the body of Christ it's time we begin to lift up and do what God has called us to do because we are blessed God said we're blessed we're going to walk in the blessing not just say we're blessed we're going to be productive in our lifestyle we're going to let our attitudes and the, and the, and the meditations of our heart begin to reflect what God's doing on the inside of us. We're going to begin to comprehend the word of God. I love that verse in Proverbs. It says, I considered it well and I saw a man devoid of understanding. It means he did not understand what to do. I'm going to lay it out plain and simple for you. To be productive and to walk in the blessing of God in a productive way, you need to simply do this. Begin to apply the word of God to your life in every area. When you need help in an area, don't turn to your mama, don't turn to your daddy, don't turn to your sister, don't turn to your coworker, don't go to your boss don't even go to your pastor first go to the word of God find out what God said about you you get a word from God from his written word his logos word that will reveal something to you in your spirit realm and become a rhema word that you can stand on the word of God and it'll change your life for the blessing of God